Welcome to the Who Cares podcast. I'm your host, Dan Hedinger. Care matters. You feel better when you know somebody cares about you. And others respond to you better when they know you care about them. But you know what is most important? When people of faith care effectively for others, the world is able to experience God's love and care. So we are here to listen to stories and to hear from leaders and to hear from experts so we can answer the questions, how can we care better? What can we do to provide the best care? And have I got a guest for you? Today, I have a conversation with Tori White. Tori White's with Friendship Ministry, and she writes materials and helps organizations engage better with disabled people so that not only are the disabled people able to benefit, but the organization does. It is just incredibly expansive to ministry. I especially appreciated the three P's she pointed out, perspective, participation, and personalization. They're principles that if we apply it to any area of our life, we're going to care better. So in a few minutes, when you hear from Tori, uh, you'll really be glad to hear what she had to say. But before my conversation with Tori, I want you to know this podcast is brought to you by Best Care Ministry. For more real-life stories of care, useful resources, important organizations that care for people, go to our website, bestcareministry.com. It's also a great opportunity for you to get connected with the care ministry world. You can also support us financially with a one-time or a recurring gift on the donate page of our website. Please consider supporting us so that together we can build a culture of care so that people experience God's love. Now, listen to my conversation with Tori White. Tori, thanks for being on the podcast. When I heard you speak a little over a year ago, I thought you were doing some incredible work, helping people with disabilities be able to benefit from ministries. That requires a little effort, but not as much as some people might think, but the benefits extend to the whole church. And I just think it's incredible. So thanks for being here with me today. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dan. This is my delight. So, Tori, tell our listeners uh, a little bit about how you got into this field of work. What's your background and what were the key ingredients in your life that led you to working with people with disabilities? And later we'll talk about the disability, what disabilities, but just about you for right now. Sure. Yeah. I got into this work from the educational side. So I was actually working in an inclusive school, which means there were students of all abilities in general education classrooms with supports and sometimes pull out supports. And I was also working in children's ministry at our church when uh, my mentor and boss at the school and at the church said, you know, we have students with disabilities in our classrooms 40 hours a week, and I'm hearing that they are not welcome in their churches, and I think we can do something about that. So she actually started what we called the church division at what has now been known as All Belong Center for Inclusive Education. 
And from that point on, we really sought to bring best practices from inclusive education into the church world to say that people of all abilities, because we quickly realized, right, this is far beyond just children, um, but people of all abilities have a place in the body of Christ. And who are we to exclude people from being a part of the body of Christ due to abilities or disabilities? And so that's really where I launched into this work. I was working in the school and um, and in our church, and then pretty soon after was working at this organization as well, and have since become the director of church services in this. And now we've actually split off into our own organization, separating from All Belong, who is focusing on schools, and we're focusing on the work in churches. But you also asked a little bit about my own story, and so I could share just a few tidbits about the fact that right about the time I took the job to begin this work in churches, I also became very, very sick with what we years later learned was chronic Lyme disease. And so attending church for myself became a huge challenge. My sensory system uh, had all kinds of differences about it. And my body literally could not handle all of the sensory input of attending church. I was sent to the ER a couple of times due to dramatic reactions in my body. It looked like I was having seizures. Nobody knew what was happening um, because of all the sounds and the commotion and all of the physical demands that now my body could no longer meet by attending church. Um, I, I developed food intolerances and sensitivities and um, all sorts of things in that journey. So that gave me a whole new perspective on not only what others might be experiencing, but a lot about why this matters. And I'll never forget trying to participate in a church service. And I asked for some accommodations, just a quiet space to be so that my system could calm down so that I could continue to actually be at church. And I was faced with resistance by the church. And that's when I realized my needs are too special for this place. And, um, and so from there, I grew a new appreciation and desire to do this work, not just for one church, but for the body of Christ all over the big C church, right? To say the church in general needs to be a place where people are building belonging with one another and people of all abilities need to be heard and seen and present and their needs need to be met. And really what I began to learn from those educational practices with it is that it doesn't always take very much to get that to happen well. That's what really struck me when I was listening to you at the uh, Disabilities Conference in Cleveland a couple years ago. It, some of the things we can do in the church are are, are simple, but they make a big difference. I, I want to go back to a word you used uh, a few minutes ago that was a horrifying word. We exclude people from church because they don't fit in. And that you, a person who even wanted to be going to church, a person who was a believer, had needs that were too special for you to fit in. Now, my experience in church, it seems like we're always trying to build bridges and remove barriers. But 
here are some barriers that are up for people who want to come to church. You know, it's it's not even cross-cultural ministry. It's people that want to come, but there's something going on in them that that can't. Uh, can can you talk now? You talked a little bit about your heightened sensitivities due to Lyme disease, but can you talk a little bit about the type of disabilities that exclude people from fitting into a normal church setting? Yeah, so I suppose it sort of comes down to the practices of the church and of our worship, right? So we unwittingly often have many exclusionary practices in our worship services from the entrance to the church being inaccessible to a person with a wheelchair or a walker to loud, loud sounds just bombarding someone from the moment they come near the building when they may have very sensitive hearing. And that could be due to an illness or things like chemotherapy or I've known many people who have ear damage. And so there are so many different reasons why someone might have some differences in their perception or in their physical needs for mobility. Um, And that doesn't even cross into things like deafness and blindness and how those who are sighted or fully hearing are just not aware of some, some of the things that a person might need in order to even feel like they could participate, let alone be able to fully participate. Um, And sometimes it's even things like a person with a gluten intolerance or allergy, and we serve communion. And I can say this because this was my story. I went to receive communion and asked, is there a gluten-free option? And the answer was no. And I said, well, I can't partake in this, right? Um, So we, we do have a lot of exclusionary practices simply because we might not be aware that we are being exclusionary. And some will call that ableism. That's a term that's rising right now in the church world as well, just as we learn about how we assume people are able in the way that we might be. Um, So there are a lot of things that we can do against that. In a, in a couple minutes, I want you to talk about some of the things we can do. But before we get to that point, I want to confess something out of my, my own life. I, I've been in ministry for over four decades. And most of that time was during the church growth, the mega church, uh, and the, the desire to be a mega church and all that went with that, including the super loud music and all of the other things. And what we really unintentionally wanted was just this real high performance, uh, top notch, entertaining, appealing, good looking church. And we really, I wasn't even thinking of the whole population, not intentionally. I didn't intentionally think I wanted to exclude anybody, but I certainly wasn't even thinking of how to include everybody. And now that I look back on my ministry, I regret that. I I feel that that is a wrong strategy for ministry. I don't believe that's even Christian. Uh, 
And and here was our, our main strategy. And I'd love for you to react to it, but let me just say one more thing. I, I do believe in good performance. I think we should all do and be our best at everything we do. But if a person is blessed with with good performance athletically, they should be able to be an encourager and somebody who cares about other people. If somebody's uh, blessed with intelligence, they should be able to to teach and help others. If somebody's blessed with wealth, they should be known as a generous person. Uh, Jesus is very clear that we need to care for the least of these. And he didn't mean the least important and the least significant. He meant sometimes the least able. And it seems whatever we have, even when we're trying to do our best, we need to always be connecting with somebody who is uh, working really hard to be their best in a different way. Tell me what you're hearing me say, and how does that fit with with your desire for the church to include uh, people with disabilities? I just say, preach it, brother. You were saying it right there, right? That we are called to move the margins. Um, we are called to be kingdom builders. And it's it's interesting to me to think about how, I'll, I'll put it this way. Dr. Lamar Hardwick says it this way in his book, Disability in the Church. He says, we build our churches backwards. We think first for those who are like us and that that's who we want to gather around us and worship with. Jesus did it the opposite. He went out to the margins and he built the church around them. And that's what he called his disciples to do. Tori, I've been in ministry over four decades and much of that time was in church planting. And this was all during the era of the seeker movement and the emergence of the mega church and whether we had a mega church or not we kind of wanted to be at least i did and i i found myself always wanting to have a high performance church with high performance people and i never meant to exclude anybody but i realized my strategy really was not inclusive and i left a lot of people out and i feel bad about that and when i look back on my ministry i realized I was not looking to a culture that was uh, in need. I was looking to try to present a culture that would draw people. I think that was a strategic mistake. I don't even think it represents Christ very well. Don't be too hard on me, but respond to what I just said. Well, I think your heart is beautiful, and I think you're right about that. I think the church is getting good at putting on a show and that we have really leaned into the need for excellence and performative excellence, especially. And as you pointed out, right, we, we wanna do the best at what we do and all of those things. But I think the heart of what the church is, is where Jesus was. He would move to the margins and he would build his ministry around people by offering them the support and the connection to community that they needed. And I think that is so much of what the church needs to be about and that we can do some simple, small things many times that make all the difference. I would just borrow from Lamar Hardwick, his book, Disability in the Church. He said, we build our churches backwards. If we built our churches to support people, 
who need higher levels of support, then everyone is going to find a place to thrive. So give us the title of that book again and that author. Yeah, that's Dr. Lamar Hardwick. He's the pastor of Tri-Cities Church in Georgia, and um, his book is called Disability and the Church. Disability and the Church. Everybody's got to get that and take a look at it. I remember one of my happy memories uh, as a church planter, we, we had a a smallish church in Atlanta, and we had a, a mom attend with her disabled child, and and we were small enough she fit in just great. Everybody loved Cindy, and everybody knew and understood Cindy, even when Cindy did some sort of awkward things. But do you know what? Cindy was the loudest singer in our church, and it was awesome. Uh, it wasn't always on key. It wasn't always understood words, but there was a spirit in her that was singing with us. And uh, I mean, that's been decades ago and I get tears in my eyes as I remember it even now. It, it was beautiful. And I do think we need to uh, to do what we can to to reach out. You know, I don't think you've mentioned autism yet. How does that fit into what you're doing and maybe even dementia? Are they things that, that you think we can do better with? Absolutely. I, I know that the population of people with autism, the rates continue to rise, especially in the United States. And it's getting more and more common to have people with autism freely talking about that in our schools, in our neighborhoods. And if those folks are not welcome in our churches and not in our churches then we are not even representing the population very well. And that's true of people of, all, of disabilities in general. Um, but again, there are some things that we as churches can do. We can have some visuals that pair with all of the words that we use in church, be that a visual schedule, even some icons on our order of worship or our printed bulletin. We can have you know, some icons or visuals that pair with our sermons and again, these are things that are really going to help everybody. We call that universal design or universal design for learning because it helps everyone. It's a universal benefit, but it especially helps people who, again, have sensory systems or who learn things in a different way than others with a different kind of brain wiring so that people with autism really need these kinds of things in place in order to participate fully. And so you know, having some visuals, having some communication tools that aren't all reliant on words, having some situations in which they don't have to navigate all of the social interactions that seem to have difficult rules to follow, right? So providing just some scripting, having a thing like a welcome story. Does your website for your church or do you have a brochure or a video snippet that shows what it's like to be at your church, how your worship goes, what you wear, where to go to get the coffee if you have coffee? Do you have gathering times in between services, right? What does it look like to be at your church? And if people can get a preview of that, that lowers anxiety, that increases participation. It just helps people to function better in this environment. So why wouldn't we want to learn how to do some things like that? So that's where I lean into these, these ideas, like I said, about universal design and how that really widens the welcome for people of all abilities, especially as we think about our aging congregants who have been a part of our services and our ministries for maybe their entire lives. And now 
their aging and their mobility, their hearing, their vision, their memory is fading and maybe dementia is now a part of their journey. And it's on us to remember them in our community. And so there are some tools and some things that I've been doing a lot of learning about been doing some writing about it. The book that uh, I had the privilege of editing was Worship as One, Buried Abilities in the Body of Christ. And we talk about that in that book. Uh, My mentor and the founder of the church division that I had worked for for many years, Barbara J. Newman, wrote the book and I edited it and contributed to it as well. Um, But we talk about this, that the idea is we welcome people of all abilities by first of all valuing each one as an important piece of the body of Christ. And second, you put those pieces of universal design in place. And thirdly, you might personalize for those who need a little bit of extra support for their full participation. I think of a person with dementia that maybe has attended church their whole life. I mean, usually it's older people with dementia. And now they're awkward socially. They can't necessarily remember some of the people they're seeing. They may look a little, they may have a foggy look in their eye as they're not engaging. And yet inside their emotions and their soul, to be back in a church service, hearing songs that they value. I I do know music with Alzheimer's and dementia uh, touches people's souls. And we we don't want to exclude them. We want to find ways to include them and even have some of these handouts that uh, visually make things simpler and easier for them to process. Uh, Thank you for the work you're doing. And I hope you just keep doing it. Well, I sure hope so too. It's my delight and I absolutely rejoice in every church that I get to talk to where maybe one person says, this changed how we worship. And this person is now a part of our community in a, in a broader way, and we're all the richer for it. And that's how we're going to grow the kingdom of God. And that's why you and I are talking today, because we're coming at this problem from two different perspectives. You just use the phrase, value each one. And the phrase that I use is, how can we care better? And I think if we just value each person, we care better. And not if we're looking for a certain strategy, but if we look at each person. And if the person has autism, we need to go, how can I communicate with this kid? Or what kind of classroom do we need? Or how can we help this person feel like they belong here and we're glad they're here? And the same thing for a person with dementia or Alzheimer's. And it might be clumsy, but if we just value each one. Tori, do you have a story or two you can tell us without breaking any confidentialities? Sure. I'd love to tell you the story. We were in a Bible study with some individuals with dementia. And they, they live on a memory unit, right? So um, staff were around and we were, we were trying out what it was like to do Bible study with individuals with dementia. We did some worship time and it was phenomenal, the singing that people would engage in. But as you pointed out, music, we sort of know, right? That, that engages people. But we, we took a risk and we asked, I'll say his name was John. We asked John to pray 
on this particular day. Now, John had uttered maybe five words that day. And what came from his mouth was five whole sentences that included a, a welcome into this Bible study. The staff members' jaws dropped and they said, where did this come from? They were in tears because this was a, a portion of John that they had never seen because they never asked him to pray. I've since learned that the portion of the brain that is the most protected from dementia is where prayer song reside and are sort of kept. And I just think how many people have prayed their entire lives. And now because they live in a memory center, and this is no fault of staff members, but there just simply aren't the tools available to them in the way that they now currently function. And so I get really excited about thinking about how do we put tools in the places where people are living out this journey. So that's one story. I think of another story, and I'll actually just tell this on my son, who he is verbal, but he does have some sensory differences. He is on the autism spectrum, and he was struggling to figure out how he fit into worship. And I'll just say really quickly, he learned to play guitar, and he found that guitar was his worship voice. So you, don't, you just don't know what that person can bring to the community until you help them explore where their giftings still are. Tori, that story of John was amazing. That, that's incredible. It must have been something to be there and to see that. Uh, I, I had an experience kind of like that as a hospice chaplain one time. I was uh, attending a death and uh, it was on a memory care unit. And I was waiting for the mortuary to arrive and the family had already gone. I'm sitting out in the lobby and this precious little old lady comes up to me and she had major issues with memory. But my mom was in a nursing home at the time in, with dementia. And I thought, I'm going to treat this lady like she matters. And so I sat down and we did not communicate a single word, unlike John. But all at once, I connected with this lady, and I, I had this warm feeling in my heart, and she broke out in this big grin, and that, that changed me because I thought, this is a population we cannot give up on. These people matter, and there's something there. It wasn't as profound as the situation with John, but it made a difference to me. So... Uh, Tori, when we were talking earlier today, you told me about three P's. Would, would you briefly highlight that? Because I, I want our listeners to hear about that. And you and I will have to talk about that in more detail in another interview. But introduce that to us. Yeah, absolutely. And I sort of mentioned how we talk about universal design being something that helps everybody, right? Well, so that's one of the three P's. So I'll say our three P's are perspective. As you said, each person matters. We're each a piece of the puzzle that belongs here. And each of us comes with our strengths as well as our areas of struggle where we need support. So that's per uh, perspective is the first P. Now, participation is what we call the second P. And that's the one that says, let's use some elements of universal design so that we can allow everyone to participate. And the third P is an area we just call personalization. Um, if I were to say it's, it, it goes along with universal design, this is responsive design, where you respond to individual needs. 
And if you've got the perspective that each person is a valuable piece of the puzzle here, and you've got some, some participatory elements put in place of universal design, you're not actually going to need all that many portions of personalization. Um, but that can be all the difference to some individuals. If there's, say, a feeding tube or you need some medical equipment or some special training or a one-on-one -on -one person with them, right? Those are all elements of that personalization. But those three aspects seem to be something that makes sense to churches and that's workable and that can, can I use the word infiltrate? It can infiltrate every area of ministry in the church so that every contact point in the congregation can be more welcoming and accessible for people of all abilities. It's not about a disability ministry that's somewhere separate. It's about people of all abilities being a part of the entire church. That is beautiful. The purpose of this podcast is to help us care better. Those three Ps will help us care better if we all practice those things and are intentional about perspective, personalization, and participation. We'll care. We will care more effectively. And uh, I so appreciate you being with me today. Will you come back? Because I think we've only scratched the surface. I think we're only getting started in talking about this. And I would love to have you back. Number one, will you come back? And number two, tell people how they can get a hold of you and how they can hear more about what you are doing. Absolutely, Dan. I would love to chat again and, and connect with your listeners as well. So right now you can get a hold of me at Victoria White at friendship.org. Visit the website friendship.org and would love to connect with resources and hear more stories and see how we can help other congregations become places of belonging. Well, your enthusiasm is appreciated. Uh, you're uh, so skilled and touching people in an area that is necessary. Uh, helping ministries. I, I really appreciate it. I, I appreciate you, Tori, and what you're doing. So thanks for being here. Uh, come back again, and God bless you and your work. Thanks. You too, Dan. Thanks for caring. Thank you, Victoria White, for sharing your story. And not only your story, but great advice about connecting with people with disability and inviting them into our church, not excluding anybody. Really important stuff. And those three points on perspective, participation, and personalization, we can apply that to every area of our lives and ministries and make us care better, make us more effective. So thanks, Tori, for being here. And I hope people will find you on Friendship Ministry and reach out to you and learn more about what you're doing, because I think it's really important. Now, there's some other people I need to thank and give credit to. Zach Harder wrote and performed the opening music. Jim Hedinger's composition, In the Midst of the Storm, is our closing song. Jim's music is calming and comforting. You can find more of his music on Spotify or Apple and also on Home by Dark. Thank you, Andrew Hedinger, for producing and editing this podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Best Care Ministry. Please help us grow. Share this podcast with colleagues, family members, and friends. Like it, follow it, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcast platform. And visit our website at bestcareministry.com. 
For many more real-life care stories, resources, and organizations that provide specialized care, bestcareministry.com. Best Care Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation. Please consider making a donation so we can reach more people and offer more resources and help people thrive in their care ministry so that more people feel God's love. Thanks for listening. And now take two minutes for self-care. Be still, be quiet, and listen to the calming music of Jim Hedinger and see what you hear.